0: you are listening to Kubernetes Bytes, a podcast bringing you the latest from the world of cloud native data management. My name is Ryan Wallner, and I'm joined by Bob and Shah, coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. We'll be sharing our thoughts on recent cloud native news and talking to industry experts about their experiences and challenges managing the wealth of data in today's cloud native ecosystem. good morning good afternoon and good evening wherever you are we're coming to you from boston massachusetts today is august 16th 2023 i hope everyone is doing well and staying safe let's dive into it so first episode back since our little summer break um that was that was enjoyable i hope you enjoyed it too Bobin. how yeah it, it was
1: a good break uh, I'm still like while we I was prepping for this episode I was like how do we do this again? <laughs> it was just, just like one episode that we skipped. So it's not muscle memory by now. <laughs> it, it kind of is, but like uh, this ended up being like a one-on-one uh, episode, right? So it like more pressure on you, more pre- talking about. <laughs> not there just me, like us, <laughs> but <laughs> just figure out like uh, like this needs more research and more uh, work because we we're not just coming up with questions and understanding the topic, but we're also trying to be the experts to talk about it so uh fun times but yeah i had a good summer break um i know we spoke about like where i was headed to went to banff national park over in alberta yeah, canada a. <laughs> I a, had to put that in there. most <laughs> terrible canadian accent a yep. yeah. uh, no it was fun like uh i didn't expect it to be like very touristy uh but yeah. it was uh, it ended up being a long weekend in
0: Canada the weekend I was there. So that probably didn't help.
1: Yeah. No. Didn't help. But uh, overall, like it was fun. Like national park trips are always like, wake up like 5am in the morning, go out there uh, to find parking spots for hikes, do day hikes, uh, way to avoid the crowds as well. Uh, it's so pretty, dude. Like it's awesome. Like it's, I, I really
0: should... do want to make it there someday soon. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things. Now I'm jealous that you, that
1: you <laughs> I know it, it's, it's, yeah, it's, amazing uh what was your favorite
0: thing that you did there
1: uh so a couple of hikes that were good but then i think uh going to lake moraine in the morning Mm. uh just after sunrise uh getting that golden light it was just amazing like i can see the reason why they had it printed on your ten dollar or twenty dollar note for uh, <laughs> the longest period. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's just yeah, it was amazing. Like it was serene. Like, did you uh, bring
0: a nice camera? Do you have one that you like can capture those moments with?
1: Yeah, uh, I do have a Canon EOS R, so yeah. I can take some pictures. I don't call myself as an expert when it well, comes to you taking know,
0: photos. It'll save the memory for yeah. you.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Better than an iPhone photo, I think. Uh, like, I love my iPhone, but like, I realize that when I go to these national parks and take pictures, and eventually, I want if I want to blow them up and like put yep. frames of it like clearly uh, <laughs> well, one, day it'll be a know, one day i realized that the iphone pictures when you blow it up like become really bloody uh that's why yeah, i was like yeah. okay i need to buy a camera that at least can help me capture yeah and you can have
0: a little more control over yeah. you know all the settings and everything yep. and really get the, the picture you want yeah. yeah you have to be into it though i feel like you know if you're not yeah. if you don't enjoy that process of capturing an image or like messing with camera settings it's just you know you probably just won't do it yeah it's fine too because then you just keep it in your head and that counts as well i think it's my... <laughs> <laughs> true how was your big ride it was pretty good um i i have this i won't hold up my finger um, oh nice listening but because it's my middle finger but i injured my middle finger on a, a dirt bike trip oh well changing a tire it wasn't even um, oh <laughs> it wasn't even riding so it's was... <laughs> <laughs> I, I I tore an extensor tendon in the top of my finger, which basically just makes your finger just like permanently move forward like that. So you have to I have to wear oh. this for six weeks um, and uh, a little suture action there wow the nice part is it's 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 a wet cast so i can take it on and off and clean it and those kind of things so like there's a lot worse things that can happen and it's like you know you want your fingers to work properly but it still feels like kind of a a a a wussy injury you know (laughs) (laughs) but i you know i i found out i had like had the issue on the trail so the guy i was with made um a splint out of two butter knives that we had. nice So, I was riding back to like urgent care with butter knives on my fingers, just like Edward Scissorhands, riding down the road. Uh, I quickly replaced that once I reached a a civilization that had a CVS. But yeah, (laughs)
1: Yeah. I'm glad glad that was the only injury on your trip. Like, it was a week long thing, right? So,
0: Exactly. Yeah, it was still a lot of fun. We had really good weather, which always helps. It's been raining a ton, so we were a little nervous, but it did rain one night and thunderstorm overnight. I don't know if you've ever been like camping in a tent when it's just like pouring rain and thunderstorm, but I find it very peaceful, which is I don't know, maybe different than what other oh. people would think, but I like slept like a like a baby and okay. you know, not that a baby would sleep very well in a tent, but the point <laughs> is I slept very well during the, <laughs> the rainstorm. Saw a bear jump out in front of us. Oh a, wow. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it was a whole thing. Nice. Yeah, you know, if you're into that kind of
1: thing. Yeah, I, didn't I didn't see a bear, see a bear in, in Banff, National Park. You <laughs> saw one on your dirt
0: bike trip. Come in, on, man. In uh, <laughs> Western New York. <laughs> it was a small black bear, probably different than the it, one. That it counts, dude. Like, anything counts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, otherwise, I enjoyed it. Um, but, yeah, now we're diving back into the podcast, which is, it's nice to be back. I don't know. I know. We'll see. So, um, today's topic is... is uh, Presented by Bob and I. Um, we'll have some. We have some guests lined up coming forward, but we're kind of easing our way back into it. Yeah. We're going to be talking about Kubernetes observability specifically from sort of that high level point of view. These episodes that we do to kind of give uh, an overview, sort of a one-on-one view of of the market and some use cases and those kind of things. But we'll dive into some things, ask each other some questions. Uh, but before we do that, we'll have some news. What what see what rounds do you have for us today
1: Bob? <laughs> no, like news, right? It's been a while so we do have a few articles that we can share. Yeah. Uh starting with Kubernetes 128. I know like we really like 127 and chill vibes, but now we have a new contender, Planternetis. Mm, Planternetis. Planternetis. Yeah, like maybe the I think the release lead was fan of indoor plans <laughs> but yeah fun name uh it, it just came out yesterday on yesterday, august yeah the 15th. on time i heard too yeah which original is, date yeah awesome <laughs> uh i'm just glad that it, this is like they they now have like uh three releases a year instead of four so there is time for people to like plan for upgrades and actually upgrade things and more enhancements and things like that. So this one has 45 different enhancements, 19 are entering alpha, 14 graduated to beta, and 12 have graduated to stable. There have been some removals and deprecations, things like, I think the Ceph, uh, RBD, and CephFS in tree CSI plugins are deprecated. Uh, there are a lot of enhancements. And honest, to be honest, like I didn't read through all of those. There was only one that was kind of related to storage around like, oh, if you have uh, a, a default storage class set after uh, on a, from a day two perspective, it will take into effect as well. Uh, that feature was already there in beta. Now it has been graduated. And that's the only <laughs> enhancement I had to talk about. Is that the, the yeah.
0: recovery one from non-graceful shutdown or is that a different one? Uh, that's a different one. But yeah, yeah that's that That also... one sort of relates to storage too because it, it kind of affects how things, you know, PVCs get detached and things like that. True. But that one's GA as well. So. Yeah, it is. Other good news. Nice. <laughs> I was nice. going to ask you if you had your, uh, like, you know, top picks from enhancements, but I won't. I won't. Since you Thank you. Red
1: <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think going back to, like, funding rounds and acquisition section, right? Like, sweet security. Uh again that's the name of the company like today we have companies that have some awesome names (laughs) sweet security raises 12 million dollars in seed funding uh so they are building a cloud native security solution based out of israel Uh, the co-founders had worked for the israel defense forces which i think at at some point in your career everybody in (laughs) israel has to go through the military training exercise but they are building solutions for cloud native heavily relying on ebpf to monitor traffic and then building uh, I think the they, they want to use this funding to grow out their team and then help with automatic remediation. So there are so many tools that give you what's wrong with your cluster. Uh, but these guys want to take it a step further and like, okay, this is how we'll fix it for you. Like, just give us some permissions and then we'll fix it. Mm-hmm. Still in early stages, right? It's still a seed round. So they're still looking to find that product market fit. But we have another vendor in the already crowded cloud native security
0: ecosystem yeah that that space in cnc landscape is huge yeah. um, i mean i think the only one bigger is like the actual kubernetes providers themselves yeah but the security ones there's just like you could definitely get lost in there for sure mm-hmm. yeah and
1: everybody has like an open source version i know we spoke to mondu they have cnspec we spoke to armo yeah. guys they have KubeScape. Yeah. aqua security has trivi like all these vendors have an open source project and then they have an enterprise or a paid version as well so
0: I think uh, it shows kind of where you know where the market is too, and where people need you know these the kinds most of things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like a lot of a lot of companies, a lot of startups, kind of are tackling that space because there's a need, right? Obviously, I think we've covered that n- numerous times <laughs> on the show as well. So, I think it's cool. Yeah, uh, and like let's talk about the acquisition that you found,
1: uh, which also has an interesting name,
0: which is also um, sort of uh, tied ish to. Somewhat, I guess you could kind of tie it to security a little bit, but yeah, Middleware raised uh, 6.5 million in seed funding, Um, but they're going at the observability and AI space. So like all the things we'll maybe talk about today in terms of observability that are important um, are kind of tying that to generative AI um, and kind of making it, you know. Uh, the, the realization that it 's very complex um, mm-hmm. and there 's a lot of things moving and the space is is really scaling and these clusters can be quite complex The a i part of it i think that's uh i think we're seeing a lot of uh smaller companies uh come out with the a i tie and that kind of rhymes but um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we 'll see lots more of it i'm sure i'm just like
1: amazed that uh they call themselves middleware. And then, yeah, you know, I think sweet
0: security uh, wins today. Yup, know? middleware might be at the bottom.
1: But they, like middleware folks got the domain middleware.io. Like, okay, yeah. that's awesome.
0: But yeah, it's 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 you know, I, it's a very common word. Maybe yeah. you know, have does that make it tougher to have good SEO or bad?
1: Oh, that's true.
0: Okay. <laughs> we'll find out when they reach Series A how good they are. But yeah, yeah. exciting times though.
1: Okay uh m- moving on i think um uh, an acquisition um so dynatrace uh, acquired a startup called rookout to add to their observability scenario mm-hmm. i don't know for some reason we decided on this topic and then everything i see around in the ecosystem has something to do with <laughs> observability so i think that will help dynatrace build out their portfolio and go after cloud native customers it's as well like
0: when you buy a car you see it everywhere
1: yeah yeah that's true yeah. or when you're thinking about buying a car like i drove a bmw x3 in canada uh and then nice. yeah uh it, there's a whole story behind it why we, <laughs> <laughs> that happened but uh now in boston like oh bmw x3 X3, i didn't know there were so is. many x3s around it happens yeah uh, uh
0: rook out rook out yeah well, i don't know much about them but i was looking at them the other day uh in the observability space as well yeah Keep it's debugging.
1: yeah i think we need a deep dive on what each of these vendors do. obviously there will be some overlap but uh, yeah needs to be some form of you want
0: your brain to explode yeah. <laughs> then get a deep dive on any anyone- <laughs> one of these companies true <laughs> nice uh, and then uh, a couple of just small
1: updates uh, Acuity the Argo CD Enterprise Argo CD company they have now launched an AI assistant to help Troubleshoot common Kubernetes deployment issues, so they are obviously helping customers build the CI/CD part of their pipelines. Uh, they saw a few common troubleshooting issues, and then like, well, let's have an AI chatbot or an AI assistant that can help resolve those. So, uh, if you are already using QD, I think something that you can check out. Uh, an I guess AI tie. Yeah, an AI tie.
0: You know what comes to mind is like the the, the memes of the Oprah just being like, "You get an AI, you get an AI, you get an AI." <laughs>
1: I know. <laughs> Agreed. And then, okay, talking about AI, let's also talk about the uh, the predecessor to AI, like ML and ML Ops, which was a buzz before Gen AI, I guess. Kubeflow, mm-hmm. uh, the project to run uh, machine learning workloads on Kubernetes, is now accepted as a, an incubating project into CNCF. So, um, I think it was managed. Um, I think the more uh, the biggest contributor to that project was Google Cloud. And now they've officially submitted it to CNCF, similar to what they've done with Istio and, and other projects. So um, adding another, I think this is the 38th project inside CNCF. So the landscape is just keeps increasing, or the projects that CNCF manages keeps increasing. Absolutely. Uh, and then finally, our friends at EDB announced uh, new services uh, from a managed database service perspective with Google Cloud. So they have something called as... Oh. Let me remember if I remember. Look, let me look at my notes because it was a different name. So yeah, fully managed database as a service called EDB Big Animal Mm. on GKE Standard, and then they have a community version like EDB Community Three Sixty Postgres on GKE Autopilot and GKE Standard. Uh, All of these are available on Google Cloud as of yesterday. So if you are using EDB on Google Cloud, um, you have new services to check out.
0: Big Animal.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that's it for the news. uh, Like cloud native news for me, Ryan
0: nice now the the naming today sweet security and big animal i i mean i dig it i think yeah. uh I, uh so i already talked about the middleware one for me i, I just have a couple more yeah. uh, one is nutanix who we've talked about on this uh, yeah. podcast and prior um uh, they have an article here about putting chat gpt or gpt in a box on yeah. the platform <laughs> so another ai tie um <laughs> I looked at the market or uh, higher
1: level diagram. It was just like, okay, they have they can run Kubernetes yeah. on their HCI stack, and now they can help you deploy uh, your models on that stack, and that's it. That's
0: GPT in a box for you. <laughs> GPT in a box, you know, tied to their <laughs> GPU acceleration stuff and yeah. uh, with carbon and uh, you know it, it ties in well for them, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I think again we'll see a lot of this kind of uh type of thing. Going forward, as you know a lot of people are asking for it, so yep uh the other one was around aqua, uh, mm-hmm. another security tie, not an AI tie <laughs> um, but really just talking about sort of the the default um configurations again, clusters being kind of put there out there on the internet with things like you know accepting. Um, all IPs and (laughs) from anywhere uh, to access uh, those kind of things. Um, And again, I think it just goes to show you, you know, Bob and you mentioned before the security um, CSEF landscape is huge. And, and, but constantly we get articles like this every week (laughs) Mm -hmm. about, you know, many, many companies falling sort of prey to these, you know, these, these things that can, that can be, you know, misconfigured. Um, and I, these tools, I think, are, are going to be, you know, something that everyone has to take yeah. uh, seriously, uh, very quickly. <laughs> and like, regardless yeah. of
1: what tool you are using, please don't allow 0.0.0.0 for incoming traffic. Like, that's a bad idea, regardless of whether you're using Kubernetes or
0: not using Kubernetes. That's a big no-no. <laughs> yeah, for certain for certain things, especially like the Kubernetes API itself. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, <laughs> But anyway, uh, those are all the news articles, I think, between us for this week. And yeah. uh, we can jump into our topic. Again, no guest to introduce other than introducing ourselves, which uh, uh, if you don't know us, hi. Hi. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and, and thank you for listening.
1: We'll be right back after this short break. As long-time listeners of the Kubernetes Bytes podcast know, I like to visit different national parks and go on day hikes. As part of these hikes, it's always necessary to hydrate during and after it's done. This is where our next sponsor comes in, Liquid IV. I've been using Liquid IV since last year on all of my national park trips because it's really easy to carry and I don't have to worry about buying and carrying Gatorade bottles with me. A single stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates two times faster than water and has more electrolytes than ever. The best part is I can choose my own flavor. Personally, I like passion fruit, but they have 12 different options available. If you want to change the way you hydrate when you're outside, you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code kubernetesbytes at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop better hydration today using promo code kubernetesbytes at liquidiv.com. And we are back.
0: Uh, But today we're going to be talking about Kubernetes observability. Uh, Again, this is sort of a mile wide, foot deep topic. Uh, We do um, this every now and then with a Kubernetes topic, and then we kind of dig in and and have people on the show that I'm tying to this space. Um, So today is observability, and it's a loaded term. So I'm going to ask you the question, Bob, and what is Kubernetes (sighs) observability? um to you okay so i i I have a textbook definition and then i have like okay
1: how do how does it differentiate from monitoring to make it easier because when i was like this not right now but when observability started making a buzz around in like 2017-2018 time frame i was like how is this different because at that time you had monitoring which infrastructure yeah. folks and infrastructure teams were already using uh, as a solution or as a thing to monitor your infrastructure stacks and applications. Sure. Yeah. Observability was coming around. AI ops was coming around. So like all of these new buzzwords, like what was observability in the first place? So the textbook definition is it, it observability refers to the ability to monitor and diagnose the performance and behavior of your Kubernetes cluster and applications. Doesn't seem that different, right? Like it's just like, eh, okay, uh, monitoring and
0: diagnosing. Uh, but it's yeah. always, always something that's been important. Like yeah. the observability term, like you said, did just kind of take off, but it's not like, it's new, right? <laughs> These are just like, it's it's lumped together in something that's very important in Kubernetes, but,
1: you know, yeah. continue. No, so, and I, I like the way, like, I know we are not talking about any specific vendors, but like uh, Honeycomb, right? That's one of the uh, big vendors in the observability ecosystem. Uh, they define observability as having like three distinct characteristics to just help you understand the, the way your infrastructure stacks or the way your systems are functioning. The first one being high cardinality. So like, uh, just understanding this, like if you have, a key-value pair. High cardinal cardinality just means that your values can be in the thousands or millions of entries. So the possible different combination. Uh, like for, let's say for example, if you have a database, right? Uh, the the key is social security number, and then the values can be any possible combination of the 10 digit or nine digit SSNs that people in the US have. So that means a solution has high cardinality. Uh, The second characteristic is around high dimensionality. So which means that even your keys can have so many different values for a specific attribute. So uh, if we put this together, right, cardinality means you have so many different uh, columns in that table, whereas the high dimensionality means you have so many different rows in that specific table that relates to a specific attribute. And then the third distinct characteristic is just being exploratory, uh, which means the ability to explore your data in real time and ask arbitrary questions. I think this is uh, where I want to take the segue into like the difference between monitoring and observability. But uh, like, let me ask you, like, do you have anything to add before I go on to the next thing?
0: Yeah, well, and and to your point, right? Um I think the way I've always talked about and thought about observability, um I think coming from like working on, you know, platform engineering teams, yeah. DevOps teams, is I always was um uh, trying to understand the you know the application the system because um whatever end user i was serving the, the end customer right yeah. i was trying to solve problems that they had or we had right mm-hmm. so you know uh, things slowing down or things you know um you know issues that came up and really so the the definitions that i like um are more around um you know observability is having the means to be able to troubleshoot issues quickly and it's very broad yeah. Right. Um, because so is so is observability. Because what does it mean to be able to troubleshoot those issues quickly? Well, you need to be able to do, um put your eyes on the right spots mm-hmm. um when it comes to, you know, all the signals and logs and metrics and traces. And that's all part of observability. Yeah. Right. So at the end of the day, why are you caring why do you care about observability? Well, you're kind kind of to try to solve and improve, you know, many aspects, whether that's performance or customer issues, those kind of things. So um I took um, uh, a really good definition from Cygnaz okay um, that I found um, they have a good article I'll post it in the show links but they have observability is kubernetes in kubernetes is the means and ability to troubleshoot issues quickly and help uh, with the help of collected telemetry metrics logs traces okay um, and having the visibility for your clusters so i I, uh, I kind of gravitate toward that side of the definition, maybe because of just the background I have, but yeah, that's where I okay I land. okay,
1: so now let's talk about like uh the difference between monitoring and observability, and the reason I'm dying like uh to answer this question is because I have a really good uh like a story <laughs> or a metaphor to <laughs> then, then metaphor away, but- <laughs> so uh, like if you do a quick Google search right there are so many articles that We'll talk about the difference. Uh, uh, at the end of the day, it is the difference. Like monitoring is all about the known unknowns. Like, okay, yeah. you know that you want to monitor X, Y, and Z. And then mm-hmm. you, you are just waiting for alerts or things that just get generated. But whereas observability is about unknown unknowns. Like you don't even know what you should know. <laughs> I think <laughs> that's, that's where observability comes in. Sure. So like the yeah. metaphor is this, right? Like if you go to a doctor's office, monitoring is just like they, are, they have a, a board in front of them. Uh, They're like, okay, they check your weight, they check your blood pressure, Mm -hmm. they uh, check your pulse and things like that. They're just following a list of things that they know uh, they should check uh, maybe at your annual checkup. But observability is doctor actually starts by asking the hard questions like what hurts and then tries to do a root cause analysis and doesn't leave anything like doesn't stick to a specific list, but just keeps digging into uh, like, okay, what hurts? Ah, uh, your arm hurts. Why does it hurt? When did it start? What happened? And just figuring out the root cause of why your arm hurts. I think that's observability. And the ability to have all of that data readily available. Yeah. So you as the administrator can ask those questions for your systems. So it can help you perform that root cause analysis and help you catch something or treat something before it becomes like too serious.
0: Yeah, monitoring could almost, you know, could almost be looked at as sort of the medical evidence that's supporting whatever observation the doctor's making in that point right um if you say that you've been doing a lot of you know working out and now your arm hurts yeah well you you've you've told the doctor this but now he's putting it all together or something
1: yeah i guess yeah and but but if you didn't like if if you didn't start with like asking these random unknown what questions you wouldn't even figure out that your arm hurts by just looking at your weight and looking at your blood pressure it's just like if you were only monitoring for certain metrics, you will miss out the bigger picture or you will miss out like what's yeah. actually wrong with you or wrong with your infrastructure for that matter.
0: <laughs> yeah. And and I think that's kind of the notes I put in there, too, was less on the metaphor side of it, but yeah. it, it it tracks really well. So um, is really monitoring is just the technique of collecting. Yeah. Right. Um, and you you have a lot of unknowns in there. But you're collecting them, you're you're putting them somewhere, and now you need to you know be beyond what you do with just monitoring and collecting all that mm-hmm. is is where you get the value of the observability, which is more the overall sort of tooling and technique about what you do with a lot of the things that you're monitoring. I think um, I think observability for me and sort of like a, an an approach is like you have observability up top, monitoring sort of a subset, and then yeah. you can go even deeper right into the those specific things that you're actually. Um, monitoring and what you do with them
1: yep and uh, agreed right like there is definitely overlap like monitoring is a huge subset of what observability is you can't just have observability and ignore monitoring that's that's not even like possible (laughs) Uh, as we (laughs) talk about like what are the different components i know i know in in your definition you spoke about the metrics traces and logs thing that's like metrics is monitoring like you're collecting for specific metrics
0: exactly
1: they are like Closely tied to each other, but I think there is a lot of con- confusion in the industry. And uh, like personally, that metaphor helped me understand like, okay, this is the difference.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the metrics and the logs, like, right, and, and all these things that go into monitoring, these are just the things that you are, right? And, yeah. and ideally, you don't really box yourself in um, within your platform of what you can start to monitor, right? I think the challenge is you'll have plenty to monitor, um, <laughs> but making useful. Yeah. Observations out of that is is a challenge, right? And and just visualizing what you're monitoring yeah. is also not necessarily helpful because you know a dashboard that may um, just visualize what you're monitoring is mm-hmm. is pretty is not that useful, right? Unless it's actually helping you solve some sort of other other yeah. problem. Like
1: if your uh, end user is experiencing some additional lag or uh, performance degradation on their end device when they're try- trying to talk to your server. Yeah you need observability to figure out like okay what's wrong and analyze the traces and things like that. Yeah uh,
0: exactly. Yeah. And and I think this leads to sort of why observability in general is important, right? Yeah. We start we're starting to talk about visualization and obviously, you know, from the human eye, you know, having metrics stored in a huge, you know, database somewhere is not that useful? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it can be, but you'll have to do a lot of like queries and searches and all that to to so so visualizing. So it leads to sort of why it's important yep. to uh, these teams that are starting to manage Kubernetes and manage the applications. Maybe you have an answer for that.
1: Yeah, I have a few bullet points right based on the research that I did. Like uh, as you said, right, visualization. So it definitely helps increase visibility for those DevOps platform engineers. Any XYZ persona. Yeah. It helps you get a comprehensive view of your cluster uh, to make it easier for these personas to understand how different components of their infrastructure and application stack are performing and identify potential issues. This in turn helps improve the performance of your application. So it helps you identify bottlenecks. So like, <laughs> it's uh, I think in the Phoenix project, it's right. Uh, 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 there was a statement that Bill made right. Like if you're not fixing the bottleneck, anything else that you're doing is not even like helping you. Obviously, I'm (laughs) like, this is not the exact quote. (laughs) I'm just paraphrasing it. But yeah, uh, helping identify bottlenecks in your system and then helping you fix those bottlenecks is definitely uh, a thing that observability can bring to your table. And this in turn leads to like better troubleshooting and better reliability. Like, okay, if you have to, let's say, perform root cause analysis, right? Like if you're seeing... Uh, From from Android devices, if you are seeing that you're not able to, uh, like users that are using Android, your app on an Android device are not uh, seeing better performance compared to iPhone users, you can actually break down those that traffic and then troubleshoot better and identify things that you can fix in your system um, Mm -hmm. and maybe fix, uh, scale out the pods that are responsible, maybe fix the uh, routes or uh, the ingress endpoints that you have for those uh, applications communicating to your backend system. So definitely helps with better troubleshooting. Uh, uh, We can also extend this and talk about security, right? Like if you know what's going on in your system, uh you can fix it better rather than you being oblivious and ignorant uh, ignorant like ignorance is bliss, but not when it comes to your day job or managing your infrastructure. Yeah. <laughs> that can come back to bite you in the butt <laughs>
0: yeah yeah there's definitely a security component yeah. right. I mean just having visibility, which is you know a big part of uh, observation yeah. of of even just like requests being you know, like wh- you know all of a sudden we have requests coming in from this you know endpoint that we have no idea it's not on our network all these things you can investigate that right yeah. there's all there's tools that are you know help you kind of identify those things on the fly and, and enable you but um, you know this is a core tenant of being able to do those kind of things and at the end of the day for me right you're you're trying to solve a real problem yeah. right uh, and that's why it's important I and mean, what does that problem mean well that that's that's different depending on the perspective right you have the customer where um, they care about downtime Right. yeah so they they need things to work smoothly um and then the the team running it itself you want it to run smoothly mm-hmm. you want it, um um but beyond that you want to be able to um i was reading an article which i, I think i'll talk about later from um um the folks at optum how mm-hmm. they kind of uh, put together observability is they cared a lot about mean time to repair Right. So one of their metrics or KPIs was mean time to repair and observability was a way for them to reduce the MTTR. Gotcha. And so, uh, from the team's perspective, right, um, you you know you want this well-oiled machine. You've worked hard at it. (laughs) Kubernetes is complicated, but when something goes wrong, and it will go wrong, um, right? Observability is a way to be able to pinpoint and and reduce those those repairs. And then I think there's a third one, which probably doesn't come up as much, is sort of stakeholders, right, in your company, right? Observability also gives you a way to give snapshots of the health uh, or or kind of um, what's going on in a system that you could give to an executive yeah. right in- internally right so there's there's that big part of it that doesn't get talked about as much but it does it, it is an absolute use case i think yeah. for for you know the the, the actual internal perspective no, I,
1: I think for sure right and to tie into your point that it helps with reporting as well the 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 new thing that we have seen or at least i have seen recently is people also talking about cost management and reducing yeah. costs yeah under the observability umbrella like it's like figuring out what different components of your uh, stack are costing how much money and then trying to help you optimize it uh, cost definitely is a major concern for everyone <laughs> building anything <laughs> today so uh, yeah
0: yeah, I mean, that that whole part of the CNC landscape, CNCF landscape, which is a, a newer one, which we see a lot of the cube costs and things like that, is, yeah. is what is it called? Continuous optimization, right? Yep. A lot can fall under there. I mean, even <laughs> one we didn't talk about yet is chaos engineering, yeah. also falls into because um, at the end of the day, all of these sort of use cases for, um, uh, in in this realm, all fall back to being able to observe and. And use metrics and use what you're monitoring to be able to do something more interesting, yeah. right? It's 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 definitely one of those things that can <laughs> that can easily blow up into a lot of other topics, which we'll we'll cover some of them a little bit. Yeah. But um, I did want to go back to another metaphor. Mm-hmm. Since we're on metaphor. Okay, let's do it. Um, right, I I kind of think um, about sort of an engine, right. Um, being the bike dude that, that I am. But, you know, I, I think of all these metrics and traces and everything as sort of, you know, the fluids and everything that flowing through an engine, through a system. And you need to be able to, you know, understand that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, right? All of a sudden, if your car doesn't drive over 30 miles an hour, but you got pedal to the metal. Something's wrong. You need to know why, right? So um, at the end of the day, there's there's so many like these types of metaphors, right? Kubernetes is is our engine in yeah. many cases. And and you're kind of taking techniques of being able to look at parts of that um, uh, and from various perspectives. And all these different tools will help you get there. That's no, mine. I love that metaphor. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, like you're trying to go as fast as you can, but you really can't because something is wrong. Let's figure out what.
0: <laughs> no, awesome. Anyway, um, yeah. So, you know, DevOps teams can benefit a mm-hmm. lot from, you know, having these. And um, I think that can move, we can move on to maybe, um, you had a topic around three pillars yeah. of observability that you know is is an obvious next step of like, hey, if I'm if I'm going to start down this journey, wh- where should I focus first? Yeah, I think uh,
1: I I know we have already referred to these three things like logs, metrics, and traces. Like those are, I would say, like three pillars of observability, and I'm sure like the entire community would say that too or support that too. Uh, so logs basically. I don't think I need to introduce the concept of what log is or logging is, but having a system that can help you collect these logs uh, consists of uh, messages that are generated by uh, different application components, different infrastructure component over a precise period of time can help you tell a story of what's actually happening. So this can include things like uh, logs that your different application components are generating like mongodb or your nginx or whatever you're using uh in your application there uh logs that are being generated from that it can also include things like kubernetes cluster component logs so right. what are your nodes saying what what is kubelet saying if you have a security tool or a storage layer what are those logs uh, telling you and then kubernetes audit logs right like just this ties into like not just the performance but also security like uh Who's trying to access that system? Which components are trying to access each other? Just figuring out uh, all of those things using logs will be will be definitely helpful.
0: Yeah, and I think the the one thing to keep in mind, or a couple things to keep in mind with logs, is uh, the whole garbage in garbage out rule. <laughs> logs have to be useful information, right? And having logs set to the appropriate um, you know a level as yeah. well, right? If you if you have the most basic level, you're not getting a lot out of it. If you have too much. Then you're. It's hard to search, right? Yeah. Um, also, logs is just you know, it's it's mostly text, right? Um, so things like <clears throat> things like open search and, and those kind of tools will are are absolutely fundamental mm-hmm. on being able to find useful data out of logs, right? Seeing cool. patterns and those kind of things. So search and garbage in, garbage out. I think are big things to think about when. You know, collecting logs, cube so ctl logs. You know, your your pod is is useful, but again, it's only what's put getting put out by the application.
1: That's true. So
0: I think uh, I, I think later in the
1: episode, right, we'll also talk about like observability driven development. And I know you have that bullet point, so Dis- this definitely fits into that uh, story. Like garbage in, garbage out. If you are not <laughs> thinking about logs in the right way, exactly, they won't be as helpful. So true. Uh, the next pillar, I think it's metrics, right? It, it, metrics yep. consist of like the time series component or time series data. That that describe like how your resource utilization or how a specific uh, component is behaving yeah. like it helps people get insights into the health of a system especially so like yeah. instead of looking at just log for a specific component or a metrics for a specific component at point in a time point in a time snapshot you're looking at uh, metrics across different components and you're looking at it across, let's say a day or a month or a year and figuring out trends and things that you see that needs to be fixed. I think that can be really helpful as well.
0: Yeah, and a, and a really common example, right? That everybody pretty much these days that has any kind of smartphone will deal with is just like load times is a great venture, right? Yeah. So you hit enter or you know submit on your phone or keyboard, um, that call goes off, makes a request and could hit in, in the Kubernetes world, could hit many different mm-hmm. you know, containers, uh, microservices, yeah. and each one of those calls you know can be a metric. How long is it taking to respond if mm-hmm. If you see a trend and all of a sudden it's spiked, maybe something else is happening. there's a bottleneck. So those are sort of the metrics and, and I just bring that up as an example just because it's a common one, very used and easier to understand if' it's a, If your website is lowing uh, loading really slow people get pissed. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's perfect.
1: Like that's a perfect segue into the next thing, like traces, right? Like these are these unique IDs for individual requests. So let's say Ryan is trying to access an app and it's really long. You can actually look at tracing information for each specific request and map it throughout your system and identify bottlenecks as these uh, requests go from one component to another. Maybe the CDN that you're using is not the best. Like you don't have to worry about anything on your own infrastructure. Maybe the CDN is fixed and you need to buy more bandwidth. That's the answer. Or maybe you need to fix a component and increase the queue size for some specific component. And uh, maybe that will help. But having tracing implemented would really help you uh, isolate these individual request calls throughout your system and help you identify these bottlenecks.
0: And, and this kind of bleeds into like you might be able to trace it to a specific microservice, but then there's traces within that application itself, yeah. right? So um, what in that application could be, you know, part of a, um, an algorithm or a function and something that could be slowing things down and sort of traces are sort of used um, sort of in parallel from a system perspective, there's a trace, and then there's sort of a code traceability as well. So uh, the term used, use, I think, both ways, um, but, useful in this scenario either way. True,
1: and I think like next thing was like, okay, the the three pillars is done, but then as you have been clearly pointing out, like if you can't visualize all of yeah. these things, it's not really helpful. Like again, the the log garbage in, garbage out, metrics and tracing information, if you don't have a good UI to help you monitor all of these,
0: right,
1: uh, it's just information that you have, which is not being used. So do you want to talk about how visualization is important? and
0: Yeah. Yeah, sure. So the, I think the one that many people will be familiar with is Grafana. So yep. um, especially in the Kubernetes ecosystem, Prometheus Grafana, are sort of a de facto standard in many ways of open source tooling yep. um, and are super useful, right? Pr- Prometheus helps you kind of collect from different uh, endpoints in your cluster, whether that be the cluster itself, applications. Um, but then you have to do something to visualize it. You can point Grafana at Prometheus as a data source and then do all sorts of interesting things. Yep. Um, that being said, um, you know having Grafana just visualize something like how many requests are coming in yeah. uh, is only so useful, right? Um, you know, there's there's a specific example I was thinking back to where I think we were monitoring like um, it, it, re- requests happening within Ceph from like an open yeah. sh- stack dashboard back in the day or nice. something like that. And the difference of it, of having a useful, um, you know, uh, dashboard for this piece that we were looking at was really just a matter of how we dissected the actual data we were ingesting from Prometheus. That being said, if it was like a request, well, we actually needed to view it over a certain amount of time. So we needed to kind of slice it by you know, what's happening in the last 30 minutes yeah. and looking at a very specific thing. So you have to um, really think about what you want to monitor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see dashboard examples all the time that give like a few. Um, you know charts and things like that for a huge system. The reality is a lot of people that are doing these kind of things and and have it be really useful is they have a a full dashboard for one component yeah. Right. So like every component or any, every microservice has its own dashboard. You know, like there's no there's no magic bullet where you have one thing to look at and yeah. can and can see everything. So you really got to kind of double click and, and get fine grained with those things. And there's a lot of tools out there, right? Grafana is one of them. Uh, open dashboard is one of them, which if people are familiar with the Elk stack, it's mm-hmm. just like AWS's, you know, forked open source <laughs> version of it. <laughs> um, but the Elk stack is also right if you're used to Kibana, yeah. those kind of things. Um, these are all ways you can visualize uh different types of metrics and traces and 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 logs as well awesome i think as the next part uh, next question i want to talk about
1: like just the different options that are available for users that are maybe new to observability trying to um, interpret the cncf landscape which is a complicated one and see like what are the tools that they can get started for free uh, on their own with a good community support and i think
0: Start yeah. with Prometheus and Gravana. Yeah. Right. I think that's a that's a no-brainer. Um, and, and something I have a bullet point here that I just didn't realize is yeah. alerts is a big part of of this observability landscape too. I think it, it falls a little outside of I don't know. Does it fall outside of observability? I mean, so basically, alerts are just taking uh, the ability to um, have sort of like literally an an alert, like a text or an SMS or, um, you know, an email, that kind of thing pop up if if one of your observability metrics or Mm -hmm. kind of... um, kind of rules that you create say if, yeah. if if load times go over this right that's constantly monitoring you you don't have to look at it all the time right yeah. dashboard you don't want to sit there and stare at it right and um so that's another big part of it but prometheus has very good integrations with that it has you know works well with grafana they're both open mm-hmm. uh they work really well with kubernetes they're i would say you know fairly novice in terms of like being able to install and get going yep. um i think it's a perfect spot to start um you know there are a ton of tools, though, right? When when you go beyond that, I think those are the de facto standards and a great sure. to stop to a uh, great part to start with. Um, but we'll also link to the CNCF landscape part of observability, and you'll you'll see yourself, right? You mm-hmm. start asking, but I know you have Thanos and Cortex and some of the other ones on here that you want to talk about those.
1: Yeah, and I think I don't. So I don't manage infrastructure at scale, right? I'm, usually I'm like okay, I will deploy my own Kubernetes cluster, do yeah. things. Delete it. That's it. I don't even have like long running clusters. But I've always deployed Prometheus and Grafana, and I've thought, okay, that's enough. Like <laughs> I don't need more <laughs> tooling. Uh, but uh, what I've realized after for after doing research for this episode is uh, Prometheus is like single cluster. There is no way to have a Prometheus deployment or have Prometheus understand that it, it can talk to different Kubernetes clusters. You have a Prometheus endpoint on each. Uh, it's also hard to retain data for longer periods. Like right now, the default is fifteen days, which I'm sure like most of the people might just be setting that and not-
0: Yeah, retention is tough, right? I mean, uh, you could easily blow some kind of quota you have on. When when you're pulling in logs and all this stuff, right? It can get quite
1: expensive. And I think that's where the open source community came together and have built projects like Thanos and Cortex. Like, yeah. So both of these are open source, part of the CNCF community, uh, but they give you highly available Prometheus, like talking about Thanos specifically, they give you highly available Prometheus setup with longer term storage capabilities. So it is based on Prometheus, still uses PromQL, it still uses all the co- core components of Prometheus, but it gives you the ability to store more than 15 days worth of data. It gives you the ability to talk to... Uh, multiple Kubernetes clusters uh, through their individual Prometheus endpoints and give you a global query overview. So if you are uh, if you're mapping out or creating new dashboards in Grafana, you can actually point it to uh, a Thanos instance and actually have dashboards that show you information from multiple Kubernetes clusters instead of just talking to Prometheus and giving you that one single. So it helps you with a global query view as well. And then yeah. Cort- Cortex is something similar, like Uh, horizontally scalable, highly available, multi-tenant with longer term storage. I think the uh, only thing is like uh, it's still in incubation phases and it uses like it can. uh, I think vendors like AWS are already using it for their managed Prometheus services. So they're using all of these benefits and offering it as a service to the customer.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, uh, that's a good point on scale, right? You'll have to think a little bit differently on on these tools, but uh, many of them do support these kind of things. I think Prometheus itself, you can actually target other Prometheuses. So you can have, like, one Prometheus point at other Prometheuses for uh, a data source. I mean, these other tools um, probably make it easier, but I I believe that is also the case. Gotcha. but yeah, I mean, you know, I think beyond just the sort of standard monitoring tools, mm-hmm. we haven't even talked about tools that do things like logging uh or tracing, right? Um, some of the ones that people might be familiar with, um, you know, Splunk is a very big name in yeah. the in the ecosystem that's very good at logging. Um, even just using something like the elk stack with FluentD, you know, collect or logstash, mm-hmm. the that whole thing where uh you basically have a, a daemon or an application. A uh, small application running near or on a node, yep. or near an application that's collecting all the logs and sending them somewhere else. It's kind of like its sole purpose to do that efficiently, right? Um, but then you have an aggregation point, and then you have sort of a visualization and search point. Um, I think like logs in terms of um, architecture uh, is definitely you know something fairly straightforward. Uh, that being said, scale again comes into play. Mm-hmm. Applications and systems put out a ton of logs, so you can easily um, fill up some bandwidth. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? um, you 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 might be able you want to think about how much is coming out. Uh, you might need to limit it. You might need to change logging levels. Um, those kind of things. You might fill up your uh, Kibana dashboard quite quickly and get overwhelmed <laughs> but um you know definitely something to think about at scale yeah um, and i think the thing that i like about flu ND, right I, I know you
1: said like demon set and things like that but it allows you to talk to any data source it has a, a universal language but then it allows you to Take inputs from any d- type of data or any data source, and then translate it into any destination as well. So you can have yeah. Apache logs going to MongoDB yeah. or Elasticsearch or both at the t- at same time. Like you can, it can also help you with routing these how your logs are actually being translated from the source, different sources to different destinations. It also like helps you store things locally. So I know this is running on Kubernetes as a daemon set. If the pod goes down for Fluentd, uh, you don't have to worry about losing access to all your logs. It stores it in a PVC by default, and then it you can also configure it to push things to a remote repository and then can be deployed in an HA configuration. So Fluentd definitely is the cornerstone of logging when it comes to Kubernetes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and there there are a bunch out there, but uh, go look for yourself. We're not going to cover them all in this podcast. <laughs> I'll put a link to them. Um, and, you know, I think tracing, we can cover a little bit. You had Jaeger in here. Yeah, I think that's the preferred
1: CNCF solution as well. Completely open source, helps with end-to-end distributed tracing. Uh, they, it can help you visualize the chain of events between microservices components, uh, helps you interpret the interactions that are happening, perform uh, or help you perform root cause analysis and service dependency analysis as well. So Jaeger is a tool when if you want to think start thinking about tracing.
0: Sidebar, the Jaeger logo is pretty cool. Uh it's it's obviously so it's a gopher, which how you know it's like yeah. very CNCF y. <laughs> um, but he's looking at footprints and like investigating, but oh. I always thought he looks, I always thought he like, as tracing, like I'm following these things, uh, but I always thought he looks angry. Like who put these oh, yeah. Who put these <laughs> dirty feet on my floor? But I'm pretty sure he's supposed to be investigating because he's got the whole hat on and stuff. But yeah, uh,
1: I never put that together. I, it's just a cute
0: logo, but that makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me, maybe it's just me who thinks he just looks angry at the feet, but, like someone's putting it on his carpet or something. Yeah. <laughs> Um, But yeah, go take a look at those. You know, we won't spend a lot of time on the individual tools. Uh, We talked about chaos engineering and continuous optimization as well. Uh, These are things like chaos mesh, chaos cube, chaos toolkit, which are all about introducing sort of literally the chaos into the cluster so that you can see how your system reacts. And a big part of uh, the reason that it's part of observability is because you introduce these uh, chaos mechanisms where it will maybe spin up a ton of pods Mm -hmm. or those kind of uh, uh, introduce some errors. Um, You want to also see how your observability stack um, negotiates, um, you know, viewing what's going on from your sort of, Tracing and monitoring mm-hmm. capabilities, right? So, like, to be honest, when I heard about Thanos for the first
1: time a few years back, I was like, that's a chaos engineering tool, right? Like, with the whole, <laughs> yeah. like, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, with the, the naming of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but nope, it, it is a metrics tool, not chaos engineering. Uh, Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, um, optimization also includes right the the cube costs yeah. open costs which we've or we spoke to and have cube costs on yep. and and on the show um but also kind of goes through how to you how to use metrics to manage things like you know the the whole um uh, black friday you know scaling yep. issue where um scale ops and and crane and those kind of things can do more interesting things beyond just cost i mean cost is a big part of it but you know um as you use metrics you can get do interesting things like you can kind of you know start to predict some things that cast yep. ai um so really cool things I think are going to happen in that continuous optimization space. Yep. Um, you know, no, Keep an like eye on that, right? But, they, but again, just... the, core, the core tenant is having all this
1: observability sure. stuff anyway. So. No, I was just saying like, I like how it's called continuous optimization. They've kept it generic and not continuous yeah. cost optimization because again, <laughs> yeah. cost is definitely a major component of it. But if you don't have your applications right sized, you will have these performance issues. So it's all right. about like uh, figuring things out and updating things as it goes. So at the end of the day, optimizing things.
0: Yeah. Um cool. So I um I want to make sure we get to these other related topics we yeah. had and our chat GPT question. Yep. Um which is um the uh the idea of observability engineering and or I think there's kind of synonymous but yeah. observability driven development. What's yeah. your thought? So like I I
1: think um this is adding too many too many things on the developers personally like shift left security they have to think about security they have to think about everything <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know it definitely is putting a lot of pressure on them but it this is just the idea that if you're building applications you should think about observability from day zero or day minus one make it part of requirements think about how think about the bigger picture when you're starting small uh as we said right like if your application components are not spitting out the right logs at the right level they are useless so if when you're building your apps when you're implementing logging in those components it definitely helps to keep observability in mind that's that's my uh,
0: just, yeah, and I think uh, a big part of it is is just making sure that the the development side of things is aware of what's being observed in production. Okay. Right. So using sort of the 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 what when and how things are happening in in production to influence development. Right. Uh, so right. So like, like a feedback people, loop. Yep. Yeah, like a feedback loop. Right. I think there's that part of it. The, the mindset of it as well like hey i'm going to develop code that um aids well for tracing and logging those kind of things but um yeah feedback loop being being able to have your developers as a stakeholder Mm -hmm. to your observability stack right having them be able to understand or be presented to or whatever it may be you know make hopefully make it low touch for them to low effort i should say um, to consume that information but be able to say oh you know Hey, we're seeing this, so maybe you know, we take a look at yep. improving this kind of thing, those kind of things. So um I think it's a I think it's great. I think it can be overdone um in terms of how much is put on the development side mm-hmm. of things, but I think it's it's crucial done as as again, just like another feedback loop to yeah uh, for those teams to kind of consider. Cool. I, I think I think we're we're almost near the hour mark. So yep. um I think we're gonna stop here in terms of diving into observability. That being said, we know we didn't touch everything. We know we didn't go into a lot of detail on certain things, but that's sort of on purpose. We're giving um, a brief sort of overview 101 to observability in the Kubernetes space and maybe some of the things you'd want to consider and look at. Hopefully that was um, something useful to you. Mm -hmm. Let us know if you like these kind of episodes um, and we'll dive into having some guests on in this space. Um, um, But before we leave you, uh, we do have a chat GPT question. Should we do the short one or the long one? Let's do the short one. All right, the short one is we asked chat GPT if observability was a superhero who would it be and now i expected chat gpt to tell me a specific real GPT, superhero yeah. that i would understand but yeah. it, it just was like nope i'm not going to i'm not going to pick one i'm going to make one uh, nice. unless <laughs> unless this one unless it is one um but it said if it if surely were a superhero it would be named monitor master so it just it uh, made one it created yeah you yeah. know it, it doesn't have the best ring to it um <laughs> It's a little tactical, (laughs) but (laughs) so I was thinking it would just like take an example from, you know, the world. But it said this superhero would possess the power to see through uh, the complexities of distributed systems and cloud native environments. sure Mm -hmm. Everything is running smoothly and uh, efficiently uh, with its superhuman ability to collect, analyze and and. Uh, visualize the data from various sources. So nice. if, I guess this superhero can do all these things itself. Um, who knows yeah. um, if it's and, if, if GPT is uh, I don't know drawing outside the
1: lines and coming up with superhero. I think I, I the way I would answer this is just like I don't know. Observability for me is not a superhero. It's the the villain. I guess the the Riddler from the, the Batman series. Like always asking riddles or asking questions. Like what's wrong? <laughs> that's <laughs> Maybe, yeah, that's my answer. It's a lame answer um, though. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So it it kind of goes on yeah. and says just like a superhero swooping swooping in to save the day, Monitor Master would provide insights and recommend um help the teams to maintain their app. So it was it was a pretty like take take you yeah, know a uh, topic out the- there and then create this name Monitor Master <laughs> which is definitely things we hear at the Kubernetes cause, I don't know. I was a little let down by you chat B- yeah. GPT. Come on. Man. I think this was um I was, I was hoping it would pick an actual super, but all good. All good. Um, but yeah, I think so. Um, we have some fun episodes coming up soon. Um, again, come join our Slack, uh, suggest episodes in there. If you haven't joined it, we'll put the link in the show notes again. Um, introduce yourself, suggest episodes, give us feedback, talk to us, whatever, ask questions. Um, uh, we'd love to have you there and we'll see you soon on some new episodes, but that brings us to the end of today's episode. I'm Ryan. I'm Hobbin. And thanks for joining another episode of Kubernetes Bytes. Thank you for listening to the Kubernetes Bytes Podcast.